Morning, Harbor fam. We're wrapping up uh, this, our series this morning in Isaiah. So let's open up to Isaiah chapter 61 as we dig into and explore this gift of redemption. Right, to redeem, it's to set free those who are in slavery. You probably learned in school about Harriet Tubman, an American abolitionist. She was born in slavery, into slavery in Maryland in 1822. And she was able to uh, escape, get her freedom, but she wasn't satisfied with her own freedom. She wanted to free others. So she went back and she courageously rescued her family and, and other people as well and led them freedom up north using the underground railroad system. And a famous quote was attributed to her, claiming she said, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew. They were slaves. I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. Now, Harriet Tubman, she probably didn't say this quote because um, she freed many people, but not a thousand. But this quote is just fascinating to think about, right? That it's possible to live your life in a prison, to be a slave, and not even realizing it. And someone could come along and offer to redeem you, to set you free. You give them a hard pass because you didn't think you were in prison. It's kind of like a fish living in a saltwater fishbowl all its life. Has no idea of the vast Pacific Ocean that it could explore. All it knows is the gravel at the bottom, the fake seaweed, and um, the air bubbles from the air, air, air tank. It can't imagine what freedom looks like because it's never tasted it. It's never swam in it never seen it, right? There's an amazing ocean to explore. Now, what if that was the case for us? That there's a whole other life, a whole other experience of joy and satisfaction that we've never tasted because we've only lived one kind of way. Now, this is not talking about, you know, traveling and going out to all the places you've never visited, going out into the world, taking a bunch of trips, right? That's still circling the fishbowl. No, this is new life by experiencing the redemption that we have in Jesus. And that's what this passage is about. Now, I want us to think about how important this chapter is that we're going to be diving into in Isaiah 61. When Jesus launched his public ministry in Luke, he could have chose a, a, a number of different passages to read from. He could have went with the very beginning in Genesis to launch his public ministry, but he didn't. He could have started with the account with Moses and how God used him to rescue his people through the Red Sea and pointing out that he is the greater Moses, but he didn't. Jesus could have chose to start with a uh, popular story, David and Goliath, to kick off his sermon series. But no, Jesus chose this chapter in Isaiah that we're going to dig into. He, he'll end up reading verse 1 speaking of God's redemption, and then stop in the middle of verse 2 because it speaks of God's future judgment. And Jesus' first listeners was his own hometown, his community. And instead of embracing him and celebrating his first public ministry message, they wanted to kill him because they rejected his message. They didn't believe they were slaves, and so they did not receive the redemption that Jesus offered. That same redemption and that, that gift is available to all of us 
2,000 years later. So let's not miss on the words that Jesus wants to give us this morning. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus and this redemption that he offers. Uh, we pray we'd receive it and experience it and share it with others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1 in chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to give good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort those who mourn, to provide those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. So over the past few weeks, we've been reading about and hearing about this servant of the Lord in Isaiah. Right, this mysterious figure who pops in and out of different chapters in this book. And it's kind of like, you know, if you go to a large gathering, like a high school graduation, pre-COVID, and uh, in the big crowd, you, you look like you see someone that you recognize. But because the crowd is so large that they're moving, right, they're popping in and out of that crowd while you're trying to pin who that person is. Right, that's that's uh, the servant of the Lord in Isaiah. And in this series, we zeroed in on this figure by focusing on chapters where he's mentioned or where he's uh, speaking directly. And uh, what we've come to discover, right, is this servant of the Lord is Jesus himself. And Jesus comes bringing rest to weary souls. We learn that he comes giving new life for us to walk in, that he is our atonement and the one who will bring justice to the nations. In this chapter, he's the one who redeems us. And he does it by the Spirit of God. So here's the first way he redeems us. He frees us from bondage, from poverty. That's good news to the poor. Now, before we get excited, pull out our phones to check our portfolios, our investments to see if they've gone up, right? Let's remember Jesus' words in the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Jesus may have been referencing to Isaiah when he's giving these Beatitudes. This is the poverty of the spirit. It's to be poor in the soul. It's recognizing that there is nothing in us that we could give to God that, that could make us acceptable to him. It's recognizing that there's nothing in us uh, that can give us the joy and the satisfaction that we are looking for. It's being broke in our souls. Just like Solomon, where you can read about his journey in Ecclesiastes. He had all the money, all the power, all the pleasures, right, that we can only imagine. But yet he was still broke on the inside. He was like someone trying to pick fruit from a tree, but his fingers could only touch it, but he could not grasp it. See, Jesus freed us from the poverty of our souls to give us riches of joy and peace. And he gives us his presence by his Spirit. And these internal riches are a preview of the full riches we're going to experience that include material riches. And we're going to get there in a few verses. Jesus, he redeems us from poverty. He also redeems us from broken hearts. Back in verse 1, he heals the brokenhearted. 
This would have been good news to the people that Isaiah was writing to. They were living in exile. They were taken violently out of their land and lived in Babylon because of their rebellion against God. They experienced suffering and heartbreak. They had friends, family, neighbors who were casualties of war, who wasted away from disease, and who died by famine. I mean, it was so bad there in Jerusalem at the time that some of the people resorted to cannibalism because there was no food in the city. Right, imagine growing up in Babylon and hearing stories about mom and dad being executed by Chaldean soldiers, hearing about your neighbors um, wasting away because of disease, or hearing about the guilt from your auntie and uncle because they had to eat their neighbors in order to survive. This was a broken-hearted people. And response, God offers redemption. And it's the same kind of a redemption that he offers to our broken hearts because we all have brokenness as a result of sin in our lives. Maybe it's brokenness with our spouse as we've seen the effects of our selfishness in our marriage and now you two barely communicate. Maybe it's brokenness in a friendship where we really got into it with a friend, said some things we shouldn't have said, and now we don't hang out anymore. We don't, you don't hang out anymore. Maybe it's foolish decisions that you made in the past, and even to this day, you're experiencing the fallout from it. And from all of this, right, you, you feel this, this weight of regret and shame right, that is breaking your heart. We have brokenness from our own sin, but we also experience brokenness living in a fallen world. It's like catching a cold from someone who lives with you. You got sick because you're around them. Just like how we suffer from being a broken world just by living in it. Whether it's illnesses or accidents, to disappointments or toxic relationships, our hearts break in many different ways, and we may not even be the cause of it. Remember a while ago, a young adult was sharing with me his story of living in an abusive uh, household where his father was violent towards him so much so that he would run away. And as he was sharing his story, he was starting to shake while he was sharing his story to me. And I was just thinking about, man, just how much of an impact his childhood had on him, that even as an adult, even though he was no longer living with his father, right, he was still experiencing it. And he needed to, to experience the, the redemption and the healing that only Jesus can bring. Because when we experience pain, we tend to, to uh, run to, to unhealthy and dangerous things in order to get comfort, to run to addictions, seeking pleasure and substances, to escape uh, the numbness and to numb ourselves from that brokenness. And none of these things provide lasting comfort and healing. Only Jesus can give that to us. Jesus didn't only see our suffering, but he entered our world and he suffered in our place. He took upon himself our shame and sin, and he gave us his joy. In verse 3, it says that Jesus, right, he, he takes our ashes and gives us a crown of beauty. When we have deep sadness, we have uh, tissue boxes to show that we're sad. Now, in Isaiah's day and culture, they had ashes, right, these burnt-up particles that you would put on your head to just show how devastated you were that your life is, feels burnt up and worthless like those particles. 
because of the fire that you went through. Well, Jesus, he took those ashes upon himself. Right? We saw that in Isaiah that he is the man of suffering. He knows our pain. And he gives us his spirit to comfort us and to heal us in a way that only he can. Then he redeems our broken hearts. And then he uses our experiences to help others who are experiencing the same pain that we did. So our pain isn't wasted. God uses it to help others. So I would encourage you today, if you have a broken heart, sin from shame, from embarrassment, from hurt, go to Jesus to find your healing. Jesus also redeems us from sin's rule over our lives. Again, verse 1, he came to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. In Jesus' day, they expected a savior figure to free them from the rule of Rome over their lives. But Jesus came to free them from sin's power and the penalty of sin in their lives. I was trying to teach that to, uh, to some teenagers when I was uh, in college, teaching a Sunday school uh, with, with teenagers. And so I tried to give this little game with them. So I, I, I had one of them wrapped up in toilet paper. So I had asked for a volunteer, wrapped them up in toilet paper like a mummy. Then I pulled out in my envelope a wad of cash. It was my tuition money for UH that semester. I thought it was a good idea at first. I put it in front of him. I said, all right, you're a slave to sin, just like that, that toilet paper. If you break free on your own, you can take that money. Right? I was confident. I wrapped them up really good. All right? So he's like, all right. So this guy, all he does, he squats, and on the side, the whole toilet paper rips. In my mind, I'm freaking out. That's my tuition money. I got to go to school that semester. He walks over, he grabs that money, and immediately I come and I take it back. He's like, what are you doing? I said, that's what sin does. It promises you something, and it takes it away. I needed that money. I needed it. Right, but that, that's sin, right? It promises something that it, it can't deliver. And we might think, okay, we can free ourselves from it. We, you know, we can get over our pride. We can get over our selfishness. Those temptations, we can do it on our own, but we can't. Jesus said that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. We need to be freed by Jesus from sin's power over our lives. And the good news is he does that. He frees us from our selfishness and our pride, and he enables us to enjoy him and to listen to him. In verse 3, Jesus takes our despair, a result of sin and brokenness, and in place of wearing our sin and shame, we're given splendid clothes. And it reminds me of the prodigal son right, who Jesus talks about in that story where the younger son, he, he arrogantly leaves his father's household, takes his inheritance, spends it on just partying and wild living, and he ends up, lowest point of his life, working with the pigs, muddy, dirty, just to get food. And he realizes, comes to his senses, you know what? It's better to be living with my dad. He goes back and prepares a speech. You know, I'm just going to come back as a servant. His father sees him returning, runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, right? Takes off those dirty clothes and gives him, it says, the best coat, the best coat. You know that one outfit that uh, you spend a ton of money on, you use it for a special occasion, and it's just sitting in your closet years later, not, not being used, right? Because you don't want to get it dirty. That's probably the coat that was given to the son. And, and it was given not because the father, right, he, he earned it to his father. No, it's given purely out of his father's love and mercy towards him. 
That's what we have in Jesus. We are slaves to sins, and through faith in him, right, he's set us free and adopted us into his family. He's given us his righteous robe, Jesus' righteousness, and Jesus took upon himself our clothes of sin and shame. Maybe today you're wearing shame coming in for the things that you've done. You almost didn't show up to service because of that embarrassment. What will people think? It's so much easier to to hide and to pretend that everything's okay when it's not. But I want to remind us, right, the church isn't filled with perfect people. The church is made of broken and redeemed sinners. Right, as it's famously said, the church is not a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. If you're struggling, if you're broken, right, if you're having temptation this morning, dealing with sin, right, you're exactly where you need to be. Because Jesus redeems broken people like us. And it doesn't end there, right? We weren't redeemed to just sit around. Jesus rescued us to send us back out on mission. Right? Think about like a harbor, a boat harbor that's filled with boats. If a ship is in danger, it goes into a harbor and experiences safety right, from the rough waves. And then if it's, if, if it's damaged after experiencing that, that refuge, after it's damaged, it's, it's repaired. It, it goes through this redemption period. Right? But if that boat was to just stay in the docks, it wouldn't be fulfilling its purpose. Right? No, it's, it's refueled. It experiences a resurgence and then sent back out to the mission that it was given. And really, that's our vision as Harbor Church, right? that we would experience his redemption in our lives, And then we'd be sent out telling others about the refuge and redemption and resurgence that others can experience in Jesus. In verse 3, we're called righteous trees that the Lord planted. Living trees shooting up to the sky, pointing to the glory of God. That's the first reason why we're redeemed. We were redeemed. We're redeemed to glorify him. And one way we do that is is by sharing Jesus with others. 1 Peter 2.9 says, We're a chosen people, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's sharing Jesus with others. That he rescued us out of darkness. We do that by sharing with others how we were once poor in our souls and we came to found joy and life in him. We do that by sharing how we were once brokenhearted the things in our lives. And he's given us healing. Sharing how we've been slaves to sin, but Jesus freed us to experience a new life. So I want to encourage us, pray for and look for opportunities where we can share Jesus with others. And if, if you want more equipping, you can come to our Talk Story Tuesday. This Tuesday, as you learn how to tell your story. Second, Jesus, he redeemed us to rebuild. Let's look at verse 4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They'll restore the former devastations. They'll renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For Isaiah's readers, they were encouraged to rebuild Jerusalem since it was destroyed by Babylon. And in the book of Ezra, you read that uh, they rebuilt the temple, and Nehemiah, they rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. Instead of leaving the ruins, God's people could have went somewhere else to rebuild, but no, he sent them back into their city, in their land. And God does the same with us. He redeems us, empowers us, and then sends us back into our families, into our communities to rebuild instead of running away. And here's the thing. We can't do it out of our own strength. 
as God reminded his people when they were rebuilding, it's not by their might or by their power, but by his spirit. We have God's spirit to rebuild in our lives. And maybe that looks like rebuilding our relationship with our children. Maybe we've been neglectful. Maybe we've been harsh to them. And they've been bitter towards us. And God is leading us to, to rebuild that relationship, to spend time, to be gentle with them. Maybe it's rebuilding our marriages where, where we have conflict with our spouse and we can't remember the last time we've had a really just rich conversation with them. And God is leading us to take the step in reconciling with them. Maybe it's in work where uh, we want to rebuild that witness and reputation as a follower of Jesus. And so he's leading us to be hardworking and to be looking out for our coworkers, serving them. We need the power of God's Spirit. He does that rebuilding in our personal lives, but he also does that in community, in our communities. Just as God equipped his people to rebuild Jerusalem. And I thank God for the many ways that he's doing that right now, through you, the church. Opportunities like Kakako Kako, to help those in our neighborhood who are in need. Opportunities like our block party or family movie nights that we host. Right? These events bring the community together and build relationships. It gives uh, the community opportunities to experience the love of Jesus as they connect with, with, with each one of us. It's through church planting where we send out teams in more areas on the island where people gather together in their own neighborhoods to experience the redemption that God brings. The work can be daunting, intimidating, but I want to encourage us. Jesus is the master builder, and he's in the business of rebuilding ruins into riches. So, so I want to encourage us, right, that to, to be about rebuilding, but don't do it alone. God has given us the church community right, to come together to help. That's the third point. We've been redeemed for community. In verse 5, it says, Strangers will stand and feed your flocks, and foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. Now, it's not speaking here about having slaves or second-class citizens, foreigners to do your work. This is a vision of people from nations coming together to the people of God and working and serving the Lord side by side. We get a full vision of that as we read in Revelation, where people from every nation, every tongue and tribe, will worship the Lord together. And right now, it's just a sample of that as we, the church, from different backgrounds right, and different experiences, come together to serve the Lord together. So I would encourage us to, to utilize the gift of the church community in your community groups, in your relationships, to encourage one another in your rebuilding, to help uh, uh, pray for you and support you and equip you for the rebuilding that God has given to you and tasked you to do. Don't fly solo in doing it. Finally, we are redeemed to enjoy God's riches. Back in verse 1, the servant of the Lord announces good news to the poor. And these riches are riches of the soul, right? But there will also be riches of material resources. Let's just read about that. Verse 6, but you will be called the Lord's priests. They will speak of you as ministers of God. You will eat the wealth of the nations, and you will boast in their riches. In place of your shame, you will have a double portion. In place of disgrace, you will rejoice over their share. So they will possess double in their land, and eternal joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and injustice. I will faithfully reward my people 
make a permanent covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their posterity among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. So God here promises his people that in place of shame and disgrace and their own sin, they are going to eat the wealth of the nations. They're going to have a double portion in their land, eternal joy. In fact, their blessing will be so crazy that they'll be recognized as you are a people that, are, that the Lord has blessed. See, God's riches, they unfold in stages. That's how a lot of God's promises are. Right? Like a fruit tree that starts with a bud, and then it flowers, and then it becomes a fruit. Right? We experience God's riches in one stage now, as he fills us with joy and life and satisfaction. And then when Jesus returns, we're going to experience the full fruit of his riches. Because we will rule with him in the new heavens and the new earth. Things like poverty and a lack of resources will be a thing of the past. Even as right now we work to help for those, we work to help people who are in need, one day there will be no need. There'll be just God's riches. God has so much in store for us. And all of these riches that He's giving us has nothing to do with how we lived our lives. We've not earned it, God's blessings. In fact, like the people in Isaiah's time, we robbed from God rather than blessed him. You see, in verse 8, it says that God, he hates injustice and robbery. God's people, when they were offering sacrifices to him, they didn't half-heartedly. Hearts weren't really into it. They didn't give the best of their sacrifices. They gave, animal, they gave animals that were bust up, that were diseased, not the good stuff. They were uh, outwardly religious, but they were disregarding, loving their neighbor. And really, this is a, a description of all of us, right? Because we've all have given God less than our best. We've all been half-hearted towards him. We've all had times where instead of pursuing justice for our neighbor, we, we used others for our own benefit. See, God's people, they broke God's covenant. And that's why they needed someone to make a new covenant for them. That's where the servant of the Lord comes in. That's Jesus. Right? God sent his son to be the mediator of a new covenant, a permanent one where we get brought into through faith. Jesus, he died on the cross and he rose again from the, from, from the grave to redeem us and to bring us into this eternal covenant as his people. And so as we live out this redemption that God has given us, as we're empowered by his spirit, let's be looking forward to, right, the full riches that he will give to us and continue to rebuild the areas in our lives that he has called us to. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus and the redemption that he brings, who took on himself our, our clothes of sin and shame, and he gifted us his righteousness so that when the Father looks at us, we are declared righteous in his sight. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf, the servant of the Lord. And so may we go out and, and live empowered by his spirit to rebuild the ruins by his strength for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.